Excuse me. I can't. I can't manipulate them here. I don't want to get coffee on the on the awesomeness. Don't do it there. Take it to the kitchen, man. Why? Look. I cannot pour that in here. You can't. It's, no, it's full. Oh, oh. What's the point of? I mean, I just have. You have coffee. I just have lots of liquid of things here now. You have liquid. I don't know what that means. And you wanted more. I gave you more. Oh, my shoulder. I swear we're going to get to this new place and I'm going to have to have uh, hip and shoulder surgery. I'm getting now sharp pains in my shoulder when I'm not moving. That's not good. I'm just sitting still. Oh, this shoulder? Oh, no, it's both. Oh, okay. Basically, it's all the joints. You count the joints in the human... You know what? <laughs> Let's 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 find out. Every well, you guys can play along at home. How many joints are there in the human body? Uh oh, he's leaving again. I forgot my phone. So yeah. So. Have you uh, been doing any of the shopping in the Polish? No, I have not. Shopping in um, Polish? Yes, I, I found uh, e-commerce in Poland and found the, the most popular site for buying things online in Poland and got the like app the for that. It's the, it's the Polish Taubau. I had I messaged our friend and I said, hey, do you guys use this? And she's like... How yeah. do you know? Yes, we know. We use it all the time, but I'm surprised you already know about it. And I said, I, be on it. I said, because Aaron was looking for online shopping options. And he came across this one. Can we order things and have them sent to you prior to us arriving? And she said, yes, but we're under quarantine right now, so we can't even go out and pick up the package. Pick up. See, I'm not. I don't like that idea that we have to go pick up a well, package. I think it's Why because is it not coming to my door. If it's, I don't know. Taobao didn't deliver to our door. They no, delivered to they, our complex. Yeah, but they had a whole nother kind of system. I don't think so. I think it's a similar system. The hive system. Uh, well, they they call and say, "Hey, we're downstairs. Come get your stuff." Type of situation, because she said they just can't go outside and pick up the package. Yeah, Amazon, you don't, it, there's no need to go outside to get a package because they're bringing it to the door and they drop it off at the door and because even, even the package, no, no, I'm saying there's no need. They can, they can drop the package and then you, and walk away and then you can open the door and grab your package mm -hmm. and they don't need a signature. Right. So there is that. How many joints are there in the human body? Sorry, my I have a iPad one here. You have an iPad four. Why do I have to accept your privacy terms just to get this answer? All I want. Oh God, I don't want a description of joints. The estimated number of joints is 250 and 350. That seems like a very large disparity. Yeah. yeah. Seems like that 
I mean, what does it take to count that but looking at a skeleton? We know what skeletons look like. Why can't we have an, a definitive number here? Whoever made this website, y'all are fired. 360, And this one says between 300 and 400. Okay, are you on Yahoo searching? Between. Well, yes. That doesn't matter. Yes, it does, because Google gave me the answer Look, like man, that. You can't be using the Google. 360 joints in the human body. And this says there are over 230. Ah, there are. 360 I mean, come is on, over Who the hell makes a number like the over? Like, how many eyes do you have? You have over one. The, really? Do the thing. Roll the intro. So, why, why, what are you doing? The shoulder I is the weakest joint. Thanks. That great. That, that's great information for me right now. Okay, I, I, got, I got a lot and I'm hoping that we're not going to stay on these things too long because uh, we're not going to get through this list. It's a lot of stuff. There's three things from last week. Well, actually, two things from last week. One game thing, which... Game thing. We, we need to have a game thing. And then, all this week, nine different things about this week. So that's where we are right now. Am I going first? You're yep. going first. Do you have a list? I don't have a list. Oh, well then you're just going to get to live off my list today. That's right. That was the plan. All right, so number one, if police can kill people in order that the public will fear them, shouldn't the public utilize the same tactic? Oh, to kill the police so that they will fear the people? Yep. Mutually assured destruction works, yep. right? And then I wrote, hello, Russia. Yep. Your thoughts? Because I pretty much said everything I needed to say about that. Yeah, people need to start killing police. I've been saying that for a while now. I need to just do it. Because, like you said, and you've been saying for like two weeks I now, say nothing. They don't have enough bullets. <laughs> All those people protesting, they, there are more people than police. Well, the things that I've been reading all week and seeing the videos and the news reports and blah, 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 the protesters are not the instigator of the violence. It's always the police. It's the police who are assaulting. For a reason for people to start killing police? I don't think anybody should kill anyone. That's irrelevant. It's not irrelevant. But should the because should people you have... get a longer sentence as a citizen killing a police officer than a police officer gets... For killing a citizen. Well, now, most, most police officers that, don't get anything. Exactly. But a if a person kills a police officer, a citizen kills a police officer, they're now a cop killer, and they're sentenced to a longer prison sentence, and then they're even they're mistreated even more within the system 
by every single officer or corrections whomever they come into contact with for the rest of their time. And that's not the answer. But do you think that behavior, the bad behavior of those bad cops, do you think that their behavior would change if they realized that they could be killed just like they could kill the mutually assured destruction thing? I think that's... I think that they know that they can be killed. I think that's why they behave the way they do is because they fear being killed. They're, al- they're always in that constant state of fear because it's been drilled into them since the academy. You're going to die every day you put on that uniform. Be prepared to die. And so then it, it adds to their anxiety and to their fear. And then they start feeling more powerful when they can inflict that fear and anxiety on others. And so, Shock and awe. That's what it is. Did you see that a Denver judge temporarily banned the police department from using tear gas, pepper balls, or any kind of projectile against peaceful protesters, declaring it in a blistering ruling the department has failed in the duty to police its own people? Okay. Now, I wonder how long that's going to last. Yeah, because that, a that's judge, the non-lethal stuff. The ju- there's a judge in New York who just said that protesters can be detained indefinitely without charges, and they have like 3,800 people that they are trying to get out of the jails that were arrested during the protests, and the judge said they don't, they don't have the right to due process. This is a Supreme Court judge in New York. Why? Supreme Court judge mm-hmm. is saying people don't have rights because they're protesting or for some yep. other reason? Because they're protesting. But protesting is a right. Uh huh. Protected by the Constitution. Mm-hmm. How did they lose their rights? They didn't go to, they didn't become felons like automatically because they walked out their door that day. I don't get it. That doesn't. That doesn't even it's seem. It's in constant. Manhattan. That doesn't even seem like a thing that can be done. He did. No, I don't think he did. I don't. It doesn't. He maybe he said it, but I don't. It doesn't sound like a thing that can be done. Okay, and that's why they're like all the lawyers are throwing a fucking fit because they're saying this is against their their legal rights. This is against their human rights, and it's against the Constitution. But isn't it against the state's constitution mm-hmm. as well? Because, but he's saying there's a crisis and therefore they aren't, they can't be processed. They don't need to be processed in due time. Because they're supposed to, in Manhattan, you're supposed to be processed within 24 hours or be released. And they aren't. It sounds like we're not getting all the details there. Because I don't know New York state law. I don't know New York state law either, but I read several articles about it saying that um, there's no reason with the manpower technology and money that they have at their disposable disposal there's no reason why the new the manhattan police cannot process all these people in less in 24 hours or less and they're saying that they don't they can't process them and so they're they're just gonna have to sit there indefinitely until they, until they can. What, until the jails are full? Because 
know, they I can't imagine that. that they're not full they've now. They've tried that before. It does not work. You can't hold people and then fill up your own jails and then what are you going to do? You're going to start letting people go. You're not going to have a choice. Because they can only get so full. So when, but, when but, the police have judges like this saying... They, they were protesting and therefore they can be arrested and held forever. Yeah, What's just because judge? you have a judge that says something doesn't that mean was his that ruling. there's a... That something about that doesn't sound right. It was still his ruling. No, no, but something about that doesn't sound like... A, it's like... It doesn't. It's like when you Trump can't. says, oh, I can just do this thing and everybody goes, but you can't do that. But thing. you know what? I can't... It's like imagine. talking versus... He's, he said he done. can suspend habeas corpus during this time. I mean, he can suspend it. Indefinitely is what he said. No, no. He these. can suspend it. I don't know what would be the justification for suspending it. Because it's a crisis. What's Which crisis? Which one? The, the, the COVID-19 crisis? The riots. Riots are a crisis for him now? Because... We've had riots before. They, you know, Super Bowl, World Series, Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup. We have riots NCAA all the time. Nobody, nobody has to. They don't have to suspend habeas corpus in those cases, and they do all kinds of damage. Yep. I mean, they're usually mostly white folks. Yep. They're loose. I know. They're loose. The other two are loose. They're available. They're running around. The other two are. And... He decides right, to come so out of there and pulls on that light. He's ready to catch. Yeah, I know. It's going to take down cam two, audio two. He's ready to catch. You're the closest one. There he comes. Here he goes. There he is. Fat cat trying to get out from under a couch that he does not fit under. Now he's out. And everything's shaking. Sorry, Cam Alright. Only this way. <laughs> um Alright. I think the majorly assured destruction might help for a little bit. I don't think but so. I I, I think we'll it will see, just no, come back harder no, and stronger thing, on the The people. thing that you're talking about is the escalation. You know, the you bring a knife to a machine they gun. They bring knife. a gun. You bring a machine gun. They bring a rocket launcher. I mean, that idea of everything gets escalated because of fear and Well the, and also the But if what if both sides had rocket launchers? But they don't. No no, they kinda do. But they don't because what the the people who are protesting, what they don't have are all the militia who are now walking among the police and pretending to be police. Okay, we don't have a well-ordered militia anymore. I didn't say they're just regular about fucking people. Well, there's regular people. I said militia. I know, but there's that you're, but that's a real Michigan thing. I mean... It's not... It's all over the country. It's all over, but they're not well-ordered. It's not Michigan a... Michigan mili- It's not a militia because it is just a bunch of people that have guns. Well, let me go grab my five or whatever and walk out there. You see what I'm saying? I mean, it's not really militia. It's it's unless it's these people that maybe the federal government has put, you know, 
without having any insignia on and all that kind of stuff in Washington, D.C., that's a whole other deal. But it's not just Washington, D.C. No, I'm just it's saying. Other places, but, too. But the, the idea that regular people don't have guns, well, of course they do. They're out there. They're everywhere. So... Today, 23 states have organized militias. Yeah, but they're... They're not... Michigan's one of them. They're not organized by the state. That's what the well-organized militia was in the Constitution, is organized by the state. These are not state-run things. These are individual, like, private companies. They're, they're private. They're, they're, they're people, right? I don't think so. You're telling me that we still have, in the United States, well-ordered militia run by the states? This says currently 23 states and territories have modern militias. As of 2005, these militias had a force strength of approximately 14,000 people nationwide, mostly, most commonly known as state defense forces or state militias. States. State-run militias. That's what it says. Something about that don't sound right either. But anyway. Michigan's one of those places. I grew up with Michigan militia people. No, they can call themselves Michigan militia because they live in Michigan. But I'm not saying that they're run by the state. I didn't think we had state-run militia anymore. Maybe we don't, but this that is saying can be that... called out by the governor of the state in order to enact or do something in that state. The Militia Act and Calling Forth Act did not end between state governors and federal government for control of militia forces. Okay, what does that mean? <laughs> this said before in the article that if the nation, the National Guard was deployed, the governor could call on the militia to then step up. So in the, some of these states, they are run by the governor, which means then the government can make them go away. They're not just people running around willy-nilly, starting fires or whatever. I, I, like I said, I, I don't, I think the, why you get a guy standing on the, on a sidewalk and a police officer shoving him to the point where he falls down, hits the ground and blood is pouring out of his ear to, in order to have that happen, that officer does not believe that that guy is going to... Like, he, that officer does not believe that anything bad is going to happen to him. No. If he believes something bad, like that picture that you have of this one guy standing there and this police officer standing there, or this other guy yeah, standing there... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you don't see the threat He looks to like yourself. Depot standing up next you know? to a little teeny And that, I think that is... That's the difference because they're taking down black people because they see them as a physical threat. So you get four people on top of one person or whatever. You get yeah. you get people doing things that make no sense. It's like this overwhelming force on one person yeah. because the fear of black people. But they're not fearing people. Is something being destroyed over there? No, it's just a cat scratching at the door. Somebody better stop them before I do. She's in there. You should give her a little message. A nice, 
warning, or I'm gonna I'm gonna get up. Well, all of this can't stuff can't destroy the house before we leave it. The the tipping point was this George Floyd murder. But since this, you're saying that's the tipping point? No, that's not the tipping point. That's just this, the latest. The, right. The thing. Um, but since this. The, the protests have started. Another group of police officers in Florida did the same exact thing to another black man, pinning him to the ground by his neck with a knee in his neck. And it's all on camera. So here's my thing. If this is if this was just a one-off incident with this police officer in where was he? Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Wisconsin, I think. Why are the police in Florida doing the same exact thing? Like Minnesota. Minnesota. Milwaukee is in Minnesota. Wisconsin. Oh, Wisconsin. Um, I'm sorry. But why are the police in Florida doing the same shit the police are doing in Minnesota? They don't. We don't have a program where all the police go to one place and learn the techniques. And then they all are dispersed throughout the country. These things are local. Well, we kind of do. Because our FBI teaches police forces. They do? Yes. They do get training at from the federal level on different topics. Oh. So that You're police... not talking about at the police academy. No, no, I'm talking about the police academy. The police academies do get people... I mean, think of it this way. You're in law enforcement. Yeah. Okay, if you're in law enforcement, don't you think you're going to hear from everybody who are experts in law enforcement during your training time? It's not just... It's it's it, you, even uh, people that are experts in a particular part of law enforcement, but they're not from your state, don't you think you would bring them in... So that your people could hear from them. I mean, if you have a basketball camp, you bring in stars from all different teams and levels so that you can have some of the best, cutting edge, newest information going to to your recruits. So yeah, the FBI does come in. I mean, they do it in in like investigation techniques and all the other things. I'm not saying that it's just crowd control. It's not just riot control, yeah. but it's it's the the idea of law enforcement. Yeah, people, the, the experts are coming. And if you have a class of kids or young adults that are going into the police department, yeah, you want to have the best and the brightest come in and talk to those people about how to do that job better. Well, I was, I was reading this article about this situation in Florida and all I kept thinking is the country is burning because of this particular method of controlling a human body and you're still going to use it you're still going to do it okay, like but you said Florida right yeah I know that the, who, who is it Bill Maher has the thing about Florida you know, man. the craziest shit. It all comes if it's, from if Florida. It, it all, everything, all of the bad stuff, it all comes from Florida. I mean, honestly, 
Okay. What in your brain, know. though, says, oh, I can continue to use this yeah. method? Yeah, absolutely. Because they're going, they're, what they're going to say, I think, is, you see, they just did it wrong there. Our way of doing it is perfectly fine. I'm, I'm sure that's, why else would you do it? If you thought you were wrong, you would never do it. So you had to think you were right in order I to, think to do it. that their training just kicks in and you don't even think about it in the moment. Yeah, you just but, do it. Okay, but then not thinking is a bad idea in law enforcement. How many times have you heard them say, I just reacted? No, that might be... That's not thinking. I shot somebody because I thought they had a gun. Like, That's a just react. I just reacted. Okay, I, I get that. You don't see it clearly. It's you know, it's not super bright out or whatever. And you thought they, and so then you just shot. Okay, like I get that could be a possibility. But putting a knee on someone and then staying there. I'm sorry, but at some point, I mean, yeah, like in this last case with um, George Floyd, it, which is only what a week and a half old or whatever. This guy was on him, and then two other people were on him. Yeah. Uh, why did it? I mean, after after three minutes, why didn't somebody go? Why are, why are we, we still, still he on can't him? Move. Why are we on right. him? Right. And so there's there is that. Um. I don't think that they. And why didn't the the Asian guy? Why didn't he stop them? Why didn't he say anything? Mm -hmm. He just was poking this guy, like we said last week. Yep. So I mean, it's it's. But that's, I mean, that, I just, I I don't, I don't buy the, my training kicked in, because who gets trained, and if anybody's training this way, you would think they would be the ones that are going to be, somebody's going to have to talk to them and find out why they're doing this kind of training. Why are they training people to put their knees on anybody? Why is that a, a way? I mean... I have seen the knee in the back yeah. and then trying to get the handcuffs on type thing, yeah. but I've always seen them put the knee in the back, put the handcuffs on, and then pick the person up off the ground. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why doesn't that why why would that why would that stop? Why would it go from knee on the ground, subdue them, leave them, and keep kneeing them? Why does why did that change happen? And if that change happened because of training, then the trainers are culpable. Yes, I agree. Because for a long time, that didn't happen. They literally would pick people up off the ground. Yep. They would all just like... We all watched cops. Yeah, it's like as soon as the, the cuffs were on, up you go. We all watched cops for years. We watched that show and people getting chased down. They put the knee in the back, they put the handcuffs on them, they pick them right up pick and march right their up ass to the car. throw them in the car. Every single so time. I, if this is a training problem, like I said, then they should be going after the trainers. Yeah. Even In all the states. I even watched a chase, we were at a stoplight, and I watched this police officer jump out of his car, run across this parking lot, football tackle this dude, Flip him over, knee in the back, handcuffs, picked him up and walked his ass to the car. And that was, I don't know, 12 years ago? 
So when did it change? Why did it change? All right. Do we have anything else that we need to say about the protests in the states? I mean, these protests are basically going worldwide. It's always they are worldwide when a protest happens in the United States and then it marches across the world. Well, it ha they had one yesterday in Mexico City outside of the U.S. Embassy, and I'm not really sure why. But the windows from shops were being busted and stuff, but they were Americans doing it. So I don't understand. I think people are. Some pe This is the conversation we had about the looting and all. There, it's it's just opportunists. That's. I mean, there is there. They're gonna come out. You know, it's like it's like a thing is happening in in the street. People that have a an agenda, an idea, mm -hmm. and they're. They're voicing that concern, whatever it happens to be. It doesn't matter what it is. You're always going to have people that then jump on that bed. I mean, literally jumping on the bed anyway. Right. They're going to jump on that, and then they're going to start doing whatever it is they feel like doing, which has nothing to do with the reason why those people are out there doing whatever they're doing. And and I, I put looters in that in that situation. They're they're not out there making a political statement. It's just opportunism. Yeah. I mean, now granted, like I said before, now if the businesses that are being attacked, they are part of the problem in doing something in that community. Now that's a whole nother thing. And should they be destroyed or removed or beaten up or whatever? Maybe. Because maybe they're the, the reason why those people are out there marching. But, you know, if you're, if you're just out there just trying to get a new set of kicks i mean come on now i mean that really that you're you're not really hurting anybody you're not really doing anything outside of what breaking glass and stealing product that then is going to be just be put right back up there yeah, yeah and you're gonna go right back there and start shopping again i mean it's like that i don't know if that statement is really uh, uh one that's worth anything so Anything else about protests this week? Just, I'm just, I'm appalled at the amount of violence that the police are inflicting on people who are not looting or breaking things, people who are peacefully protesting. I watched a live stream from downtown Grand Rapids this week and it was close to the curfew time and people were starting to disperse and without any warning whatsoever the police started like encroaching on the crowd and then a group of police officers came through with their bicycles and were hitting the, the protesters who were trying to leave and now they're being blocked off they can't leave because they're being surrounded by police and the police are hitting them with their bicycles and then all of a sudden, they just start shooting tear gas and rubber bullets. And the people were leaving. And they were stopped from leaving because they were now surrounded by these officers. And this is thing; these are things that I've watched over and over and over all week. Uh, pepper spraying children and uh, hitting pregnant women with the flash things. And um, there was a, a young man who was in the car with his pregnant fiance 
and the police were shooting the pepper balls at them and he's yelling at them, stop, I have a pregnant woman in the car, and they just continued. And it's the police who are causing the violence. It's the police who are causing the, the damage. You can't tell me that shooting these rubber bullets and shooting these tear gas canisters aren't causing damage to these buildings. You can't tell me that they're not breaking windows and... Potentially. And I mean, there is that. There was the, the group of officers yesterday, I read that they, they destroyed completely decimated a medic tent that was on private property. The, the group running the tent had a verbal confirmation from the police department that they could be there and a SWAT team came, threw them out and destroyed all of their things, smashing and uh, medical equipment and medical um, supplies, dumped out and destroyed cases and cases of water and then left the litter there in a mess. And there was no reason for it. And when the pol when the SWAT team was asked why they did it, they said, oh, we were looking for explosives. In a medical tent? They had permission to be there? The police are looking worse and worse and worse. But see, that's, the, but see, that's every just day. it. It's, I don't think the police are looking worse. I think the police have Are looked. showing their... Well, no, I just think it's being caught on camera. If they, they're doing yeah. exactly what they have been doing yeah. in whatever city you're in. If your city has good policing and they, you can, you know, they are now behaving similar to where they behaved before, and maybe they're marching with you, and maybe they're a, a part of the solution and not part of the problem. But then you go to the next city over, and maybe they are the problem. There is, I think they're just showing, it's like uh, what Bill Cosby said about, you know, drinking drinking alcohol. You know, you once it gets in you, you're just, you're just showing who you are, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? And all of this heightened attention is not changing the police. It's just, this is who that particular precinct is, or these city cops are, or these state troopers, or whatever. The problem that I'm having is the military that's now been unleashed on Washington, D.C., and now they're trying to get them to be able to be in other places. What happens when they start being able to show who they are? Because who they are abroad may not be so good, but we don't ever see it in the right. United States. What happens when we start seeing it in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. against citizens? I mean, they've already used tactics like the helicopter thing, where they fly the helicopter over and let the wash hit the people below. Yeah. They're, they're already using some of the same tactics. But, you know, I've always said it. You never want to see the American military rolling on your beaches. That is not a thing you want to ever encounter in the world. And the whole world knows it. Because once they come on, they may never leave. So what does that mean for Washington, D.C.? Does that mean that D.C. is going to start looking like Beijing? Where you have, Beijing. Where you have, you know, guns on placed the all over the place. And then you have 
military people all over like you walk you come in and you know that you're in like essentially a militarized police state or zone I think that was the country. most jarring thing I've ever seen in my life when we were just walking down the sidewalk in Beijing and up rolls a pickup truck full of officers clad in black from head to toe and machine guns and they just hop out of the truck and start taking position on the sidewalk and I'm like what the hell is going on and they just stood there Nothing, I don't know why they were there except to intimidate others. Well, of course. Well, intimidation is kind of what you need in, in any authoritarian system. You need to intimidate. And I think that's what our cops are trying to do. Yeah. They're trying to intimidate by creating walls in their cities, walls of humanity, them, yeah. them standing in there. And then basically, once you cross that line, now they have carte blanche to, to go after. Whoever it is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Old man, ninety-five years old, doesn't you know, lady, senator, you know, little, little kid, right, senator. It, it doesn't I matter who it. it is. We can now attack because you you crossed the line, you know. And I, 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 I it's it's got. If if it doesn't stop, it's going to keep escalating. And now you're dealing with. A population that is not a population of the 1960s. Yeah, I those, saw those something. Those kids this got week. killed in the 60s and 70s. These aren't those kinds of kids. No, I saw something this week saying we are not our grandparents. Yeah, you're gonna and, and we will not sit people, down. The people that would have had the conversation, they're being removed. Yeah, for direct militarized brutal action against the state and you know that's why you have trump running scared right now you've got all these things are happening because i think these people are realizing when the when the populace gets in its head that it's the and they've been hearing it for years now the one percent is the one with their knees on their necks uh-huh sorry but they're going to take them out eventually. It's just a matter of time. Every country has it. Yep. And it's just, it's going to happen again. And it's going to happen across the world because a lot of these people don't have jobs. Forget the COVID-19 lost my job. I'm talking about they didn't have jobs before right. all of this. You're, you're, you're probably going to have a situation where people feel they have nothing to lose. And, you know gonna have the ramifications of that mindset it's coming and Trump's making it worse he thinks he has people behind him but trust me most of the people that are behind Trump have more in common with the protesters than they do with Trump so you know Trump you don't have anybody standing with you you can have all of the 1% standing with you it's only 1% <laughs> against how many how many times have you seen this week people talking about wanting to leave the u.s i don't you don't almost everybody that i see and mostly mostly what i see is black folks talking that they're not they're not even it's not even part on their radar it's not part of the the calculus they're not even thinking 
that they should go somewhere else because where would you go? That was the question that I heard today from expats, well, black expats. Where do you go? Yesterday, in one of yesterday in one of my groups, which I'm in a good number of travel groups, and I'm in a couple of them that are for black families. And some of them, in one group, they were asking, where where can we go? We don't want to be in the U.S. anymore. We've traveled to this many countries so far for vacation, but where <coughs> should we go and live? This is why I, I just posted today, uh, and and y'all need to tell, let me know, because I don't know. Is it time for an international green book? Tell the people if what a green book is. For those of you don't know don't know what a green book is, green book was used in the and there was a movie about it. The movie, the the modern version of Driving Miss Daisy that Spike lost to. Um, this idea of there aren't you can't just go anywhere. Safe places don't exist necessarily. So the few places that might be safe for black folks to travel in the, um, in the United States, in the, especially in the South, in the 60s, there needed to be a guide for black folks to tell them this hotel is a good hotel, like right, it's a right, safe right. hotel for Negroes, this restaurant, uh, this place you can use the bathroom while you're driving, all of these kinds of things. Um, and it was known as the Green Book, the Traveler's Guide. It had more of a longer name, but everybody knows it as the Green Book because it was green. Um, but this Traveler's Guide, and it seems to me that this needs to be international. That each, like, as you, because, like, you come into a, a place in... Like in China, when we were in China, you didn't know if this was a safe place to shop or a bad right. place to shop. There was no, you just went in and started shopping because what else were you going to do? Now, for some places, you might be treated just fine. Yep. But a lot of times you're treated just fine because you were foreign. Yes. Especially in China. But there are other places in the world where you're going to be treated badly because you're black. There, there is that thing that is still going to be there, just like traveling in the South in the United States in the 1960s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. So, do we need to have something that brings together all this information for the individual countries out there? Because, honestly, I don't know if there's... I mean, I was... I was seeing, you know, people's comments, you know, when I go to Tanzania, I have the same problems. In Tanzania? Oh, yeah. You, there is no camaraderie among all of the black folks of the world. You know, some of the You're just still treated badly because you're American or because, yeah. you know, you, you, there's all kinds of reasons for every single place of why you're treated badly and why you're being discriminated against. Well, so. one of the things that I was reading was... In that same group of women who were asking, where can we go? Um, I, there was a lot of Jamaica 
Kenya, Zimbabwe, Nairobi, all these, a lot of places in Africa, they said they weren't looked at any differently and they weren't treated any differently until they spoke. And that's when they're like, oh, you're American. But they were never treated differently based on their skin color, and which was the first time in their lives they had ever felt comfortable with being who they are. What does that have to do with the and discrimination so, that they are going to encounter? They were saying, you know, I'm, one mom was like, we spent six weeks going through Kenya, Ghana, somewhere else. And we are going to move to Ghana because they have the, the thing where a certain number of people from the U.S. can move there. And I just was thinking... But if all these Americans start flocking to these countries, are they going to start having the same problems with discrimination because of being American? I mean, when we lived in Thailand, I didn't show, if we were in the airport or we were going on a visa run, I didn't show my passport. I tried to keep my passport hidden for as long as I could. I didn't want people to know this is I was not American. A cool situation. You people have issues with being American more than they have skin color in some countries. Yeah, but if you didn't show anybody, you still got preferential treatment in Thailand I without get, showing them your passport, without them knowing which country. You still get preferential treatment. Yeah. So I don't understand. It just it made me wonder if. If leaving to go to these countries where they look the same would change how they were treated based on their, their nationality and not on their ethnicity. But that's not what they were saying, though. They wanted to go about, someplace where they were no, no, safe. They wanted to go someplace. It wasn't, I want to go to Africa. No, 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 no. They want to go someplace where they're safe. That's, that yeah, was where the is thing. that for black folks in the world? All they, the only and all black folks, not just... American blacks. I'm talking about people with significant amounts of melanin pigmentation in their skin. Where do they go to feel safe in the world? Your thoughts? I don't know. I don't have any pigmentation. No. Where do they go to be safe? Where's the safe place? Uh, uh, Is there a haven? Is there a place? I don't think there's a haven. I don't think there's a haven. Um, One of my friends said... Uh, New Zealand was her place. Another one is Albania is her place. Yeah, no, but this is individuals. Yeah. What about, you know, like, I mean, we saw lots of discrimination for people that were from African countries in China. Oh, God. And, and they were treated and now, very poorly. Now black Americans are being treated just as badly. I just read an article about um, uh, the Chinese Basketball Association, the CBA. Uh, They have a lot of black American basketball players that play there. And there was one in Guangzhou who could not get an apartment. He was evicted from his apartment because he was black. And then he couldn't get an apartment, and he finally found one. 
after weeks of trying and the neighbor, somebody in the neighborhood, like the government in the neighborhood, um, sent flyers to all of the residents saying, um, black people are known to be carriers of the coronavirus and they're dangerous, but this person is renting to a black person and therefore they care more about money than your safety. So he, he couldn't. But they'll go and watch his ass play basketball. That's always. But he has no place to live. That's always been the case. That's what it was in the mm -hmm. United States. For all all black entertainers, they couldn't live. They couldn't live next to the people that they then entertained. Hello, Cotton Club. Um. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I don't, there is a haven. I It's something to think about. Something to come up with. Maybe we need to have a, a, a Facebook group called Green Book. A Green Book Facebook group. Make one. International Green Book Facebook group. Because there is, I mean, there are places that might be, I, and I, I, I think what we're really talking about are shades of gray. There's no good and there's no... I mean, I guess there is no good. There's lots of bad. Um, but basically, this place is a little bit better than that place. And and why? Kind of thing. But I guess we could do the same thing for vegans. Yep. This place is vegan friendly and that place is not. Same idea, really. Alright. Alright. Uh, last thing from last week. I need to know... I think I need to look better for my new job. What? I, I'm, I'm What's not, wrong with I'm the way not, you look? I'm not uh, up to snuff, so to speak. Excuse I don't know. Excuse me? What do I need to do? Do I need to start working out? Do I need to... What do I need to do in order to get... Keep the job that I have kind of thing? Because, you know... What? Well, I mean, you gotta adapt. Right? You can't just be. If you just be, you don't keep the job. Hence all the discrimination stuff. You haven't stuff even we started the job. About. Yeah, I know. That's what's I'm got. Why are you trying to change for a job? Well, don't you have to? Don't you have to? Holla at me, people. Uh, I, what? Should I go bald? No. Should I be like Aaron? No. <laughs> That's his Viking look. You don't have the Viking look. I can look. do. Why can't I do the Viking look? Because your hair's not. Long I can enough. be a brown Viking. The Here. samurai. The top knot. Have a top knot. Could I have a bit the samurai? Or you had to have African blood to be a samurai. True. So most of them were brown. They don't talk. That's the history they don't like to talk about. Yeah. But they show it everywhere. Yeah, it's everywhere, but they don't like to talk about that. Um, yeah, if you look at some of the, the ancient depictions of the samurai, if you look they under, got froze, under folks. that mask, it's this black face under there. You yeah, go to China and Malaysia and Thailand, and you see all the all Buddhas brown, and all the dark brown, all the warriors. They all have little froze. Anyway, um, yeah, go to. Go to Asian museums and count the black folks. Yep. There's a lot of it. Yep. But today they'll tell you they're white. 
No. Moving on. Okay. Um, so that's that's last week. Um, question. Why aren't all American office holders, politics, office holders, anti-fascists? Yeah, I don't understand this at all. I'm quite confused about this. Fascist. Look it up. You could be reading that while while we're talking. Because fascism is a whole nother thing. F-A-S-C-I-S-M. Do a, do, a, do a deep dive over there, Viking boy. All right. Um, I, I don't understand. Trump is coming out and talking about Antifa. Uh, and then, which means anti-fascist. And he's blaming them for all of this stuff that's happening in the United States. The, the, the acti- negative activities during protests and all. He's trying to blame this group of people. But I don't understand why he's not one of those people. Wait a minute. So you said anti-fascism. Who's for fascism? That's my question. That's a hundred. I've been asking this for two weeks now. It's like saying anti-murder. Who's for murder? Who's for more? Right. Do you know when Antifa started? Like here, I'm 1920s. Anti-fascism. I know, but who's for fascism? Trump is for. I don't get it. I don't get who. What American office holder was elected on a platform of being fascist? We fought a whole war against fascism. We really did. Wait, was it two? Two of them. Was it? Was World War One against fascism? I'm not sure about World War One. Was. World War One was because the dude got shot. No, 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 no. That's the that's the spark. That's not the reason. The reason is always much larger political ideologies clashing yeah. and control and land and economics and somewhere. Okay, you you have a device right here. If you need to know that, you you're Wikipedia boy. But. I don't understand this. I don't understand why everybody's letting this pass and why they're writing stories. Why is no one asking the question, why is Trump for fascism? Why is nobody doing that? Because it seems like that's the crux of the whole thing. Because it seems like he would be anti-fascist. Unless I don't understand what Antifa is. I just looked it up because I didn't understand what Antifa was. It's a political protest movement comprising of autonomous groups affiliated by their militant opposition to fascism and other forms of extreme right-wing ideology. Right, but that's what fascism is. Extreme right-wing ideology. Trump is for extreme Extreme right-wing ideology. But that's what I'm saying. Why would anybody who's been elected to office, any office, in the United States ever be for that because in every office they have to be, supposedly, at least in the past, for all of the people of the people out of the, the people that could have voted for them, they are for all of them. This says depending on what state, city, whatever. Antifa is a predominantly left-wing anti-fascist political activist movement in the United States comprising of a diverse array of autonomous groups 
They aim to achieve their direct objectives through the use of direct action rather than through policy reform. Yeah, that's so, what I'm saying. I don't any get it. way you look at it. Why are you against them? Why are you calling them terrorists, but you aren't calling the KKK and the the right wing white supremacist groups terrorists? Because you're part of it? Look, I can't answer this question. That's why I have the question. I don't understand. Because to me, it makes it makes no sense for an elected official to ever come out against anti anti fascist. It would be better if you just didn't say anything at all. Okay. He didn't denounce the the white supremacists when they were rioting and doing shit in Charlotte. They didn't. He didn't know, denounce any of them when they murdered a girl. I, they, he I didn't know. denounce any of the bullshit that they've been doing. But he's gonna denounce people who are against fascism and extreme right wing supremacy. What? If this motherfucker gets voted into office again, y'all stupid, and you brought this shit on yourself. Ah! Using the words of my husband. You, when you are issued your red robes, don't say shit. Did you brought this shit on yourself? I'm sorry. I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't. I don't understand any elected official that can take this stand. I don't know who it is that can take this stand well, in you saw 2020. Rand Paul again. They have voted on this bill to make lynching a federal crime 200 times. And Rand Paul has blocked it again. Okay, but I can't get up in arms about that because I do not know what's in the bill. There are so many things that get attached there to are. bills that you could literally be for making this thing illegal. But that's not the bill. The bill is... This other 50 things, and I don't know what those other things are that you could be like, I can, there's no way I can vote for this bill, which I agree with the premise of the bill, but all the other stuff that got attached to it, I can't get behind. Because in politics, that's kind of what happens, especially in the United States. It's never a bill that's just the one thing outside of making uh, a holiday a holiday type thing. It's and called I, the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act. I mean, I get it, but I like I said, there's always stuff that gets attached to Well, I'm to trying to see what he's... And I, I... I... I don't know. I can't. I can't. Like I said, I can't be up in arms about that. Alright. Um... Statement. Police! Stop killing and brutalizing people and saying that it isn't who you are. Yes, it is. If you keep doing a thing, that's who you are. It may not be who that that cop is, that individual cop is, but as police officers in the United States, if you're if you're in a precinct like Serpico or something and there's all this corruption around you. You can't run around saying, I'm not corrupt. Look at me, I'm not corrupt. It's like, no, but you're part of a group that is. Own it. 
You brutalize your people. The people that pay the taxes for you to have a job. If you are not, then I hope you're turning all those other people in that are. Because if you're sitting there quietly, you're part of the problem. Um. Anybody got something to say about that? Moving on? Rand Paul is, is saying that the bill is a joke because um, offenders who are charged with this could face long-time imprisonment for minor infractions such as a bruise caused on the neck from an from attempt, hanging from attempted lynching from attempted lynching. <laughs> Wait a minute. So if 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 I take a person, string them up, have them up there long enough for them to get a, a mark, mark on their neck, I shouldn't be put in jail for that? He said Really? That the bill was sloppily written. I think it's time and to could start. lead to yet another injustice. Excessive sentencing for minor infractions unless it was revised. His, What's the minor infraction he speaks of? This is his quote. Hanging? This bill would cheapen the meaning of lynching by defining it so broadly as to include a minor bruise of abrasion, he said. But how do you get the minor bruise Our of abrasion? Our national history of racial terrorism demands more seriousness of us than that. I know, but that's... that's what, how does the person, like, if I grab you like, enough... Right. To get a bruise around your neck, isn't that attempted murder? Uh-huh. Right. I'm trying to... Either way... I'm trying right. to choke the right. life you don't, out of you. You don't get... You're freaking... It's not hanging. If you, <laughs> if you go and freaking drop what? somebody, like... No, but I'm saying... It's like, come wait, on, no, now. No, 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 I I just did that to you. There's no mark. Right. But I was trying to kill you. Now, if I can do it to the point where I'm trying to kill him and he gets a mark, shouldn't I be removed from the society as a person that is doing something undesirable that needs to go to jail for? I'm attempting to kill him. Yeah, I don't know any other way other than either hanging someone or trying to strangle them. What other way do you get? Get the mark. Get a mark on your neck. Like, what other How does that cheapen anything? The, the Re South Carolina Republican who helped write the bill said to suggest that lynching would only be a lynching if someone's heart was pulled out and displayed to someone else is ridiculous, she added. It could not, it should not require a maiming or torture for us to recognize a lynching when we see it and recognize it by federal law and call it what it is, which is, which is that it is a crime that should be punishable with the accountability and consequences. Yeah. Because that, that's the problem of the attempted lynching. What if somebody tries to string up somebody and they get cut down two minutes later? Shouldn't the people that strung that person up be held accountable for an attempted lynching? Sure. 
I mean, if I pull out a gun and I shoot at you, it's attempted murder. Paul says, Rand Paul says, that um, the federal crime statute needs to be serious bodily injury so that only crimes involving conspiracy to cause, cause substantial risk of death and extreme physical pain could be charged as lynching. This is like the telephone book thing. Yeah. The, the cops used to, especially in like movies and stuff, but I know that it happened. <laughs> cops would take something large like a telephone book, hit somebody with it, it leaves no mark, but the damage is done. Yeah. The pain is there. Yeah. But you can't see it. But really, you don't hit them with the telephone book. You put the telephone book on them and hit the telephone book. So then all the pain of being hit is there, but you don't get any kind of bruising. Wouldn't you? Nope. Not because unless you did it over time. Because it's dispersed. Yeah. But you're getting all the other pieces of, of being hit. I'm sorry, but Rand Paul's an idiot. Okay. We'll just stop there. That's my whole argument. Rand Paul's an idiot. Move on. Um... On a lighter note, before we get back to the heavy stuff. Living without mirrors. <laughs> You're the only one. You potentially... Right, but basically we are living without mirrors right now. And I, and I thought it was interesting that we're... we're walking around every day, essentially not seeing ourselves. Yeah. With a mirror in our pocket. No, no, no. no, I no mean, you can, you can, You can look in lots of devices. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just the, I'm walking from here to there, and I, I, we don't see ourselves in our home. Most people have mirrors in their home yep. where they can see themselves or some way of seeing themselves as they move throughout their house. But we don't have that. Nope. You have to go at your phone or go at your iPad or, or find a teeny weeny teeny mirror little. and look at something specific. But you don't really get, I think people need to maybe do this more often. They might learn something about themselves. Yep. I hate to call it a mirror cha challenge because I just ranted about not having challenges. Because, you know, the get off my neck, I can't breathe challenge thing is some bullshit. But, guess you missed Oh, yeah. Seen this? Where people are now getting on other people's No, necks. no, no. Let's be clear. It is white people oh, getting yeah, on white people's necks. Of course it's white people. Don't say people. Oh, oh. Identify only, them who, who else, they are. Who else would do this? Identify yeah. them for who they I'm are. I'm sorry, but there, I don't think there's another kind of people out there Eddie. that would simulate getting on someone's neck. Look. It was pretty apparent that it was going to be white folk. Yeah, because... White people only. I am are, so embarrassed to be white so, most days. Are, white people are dumb enough to try to drink Mountain Dew through their anus. Yes. How do you create suction? I have well, no you, idea. It's basically a Mountain Dew en enema. Anyway, we don't. I don't care about that. So, um. Yeah, the challenge is. Living without mirrors. It's a weird phenomenon. Try it for like a month or something. Just, you know, take all the mirrors, if you can. If they're attached to the walls, don't don't destroy them. Just but I just, just, over. Just, yeah. just walk around your house and live with no <laughs> mirrors and see how, see, see, see what that does to you. 
You know, I because we don't have mirrors. I don't use a mirror for anything. I mean, we don't even have mirrors over our sinks. No, in the bathroom. I that's what I'm saying. There's no mirror. I bought some decorative mirrors to put in my classroom because I was gonna do some cool little thing with them. But there was no way to hang them in my classroom. Those are the only mirrors we have, and they're about this. I mean, like three inches big, right? Maybe. Not a little bigger. The actual mirror. Yeah, the actual mirrors. So. About so anyway, they're very small, and I have a makeup mirror on my dresser, which is about that big. Which is about pretty much the same size, but we don't have any other mirror big enough to see your whole upper body, big enough to see your face without maneuvering it. And I, I like to wear makeup. I enjoy wearing makeup. I do it for myself. I don't do it for anyone else. And I've noticed that since I've been home, I'm not leaving the house, I haven't even been putting makeup on, which is not my norm. Normally I put makeup on every day, no matter if I'm leaving or not. But I, I don't. I can go for six days with no makeup and then we have podcasts and I put the makeup on and then I go, the next time I put it on is podcast. You're wearing makeup now? Yeah. I don't put foundation on my face. It burns. It burns like hell. I don't make fun. Okay. Um. Yeah. It's it's an interesting phenomenon. I don't think I've ever lived in a house that had no mirrors. So it's even weird. when you're brushing your teeth, you can't see yourself. Even when you're brushing your hair in the bathroom, you can't see yourself. You don't. No, you don't need it, but usually it's there. Yeah, you, right behind the sink. Yeah. Like, I mean, it is helpful when you floss. Right. Because it's helpful when you're brushing your hair. Right. Well, yeah. Or when you're cutting your hair. Or your face. Or your face. You see what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's a, it's you a. You miss big old patches. You got long strands hanging from your chin. And what? Do I? You no. do. Yes, you do. No, right I here. Don't. You got long hairs there. Wow. You gotta clean that up. All right. Back to the uh, interesting um, awfulness. Protesters, looters, and revolutionaries. We watched 13th this week. What is actually what is going to actually create change? Now, I, I really don't want to have discussion about this because it's kind of just self-explanatory. Who's gonna? actually create change but what do you think Ooh. we're seeing people out there yelling and carrying signs of protesting we're seeing people out there looting and just let's put looters and destroyers in the same group and then we're have there are people who are for actual change and they are the revolutionaries the ones that want real change and they might be utilizing politics and speeches and blah, 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 blah. Why are we spending so much time on the protesting and looting and so little time on the revolutionary type activities? I think the revolution... Because revolution includes voting and... 
all of the work of politics. I think the revolution, the idea of revolution is what they want, but that taking the physical action of the revolution is scary because it means work. It means a lot of work and dedication. It means a lot of it means a lot of pushback from those who don't see the need for the change. Losing your job. Um, AOC is a good example of a revolutionary, and those who, because she's trying in the government, she's trying to make the change. But can you can you be part of the government and a revolutionary? You have to be. You have to be. You have to be in there to be able to fight for the changes that need to be made. Eh, no. You can't have it from the outside. No. You no. can't. You have to have them infiltrate into the government in order for the changes to be made. But are they revolutionaries then? Because yeah. they also have to compromise. They have to compromise in order to get anything done. They need the, the revolutionary on the outside they need to, to be push them into staying on task but if their agenda it from the start is to be the revolutionary no, you get that that's no one's agenda their agenda is to get elected i don't know that you can't be a revolutionary and be in government and not be elected why no you can't you have to be elected that's what you're saying they had they to, had to they, be in, or, in order to get there they had was, to be, which means they had to compromise she was elected because of her revolutionary ideas no, 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 no. I'm not talking about revolutionary ideas. I'm talking about revolutionary people. I think she's I one ain't of them. That's not the same thing. I think she's one of them. Okay. She doesn't... His haircut could be a revolutionary idea, but it moves nothing. I think she's one of them. One of... Whoa. One of the revolutionaries. Yeah. I think that her... Think she's, a, she's, she's, she's taking a position, neoliberal position, period. And that's it. You don't think that she's doing anything... In her job. That, what, what is revolution to you? Make because revolution change. to me is is change brought on through Bucking some kind of action that might, and in most cases, not be political. Alright. It's going to be actual war that's revolution in other words you don't get the United States of America without a revolution mm -hmm. they had all kinds of politicians they, they had all kinds of people that, that and as soon as they were not wanting to hear what they had to say anymore they stopped listening to them and then what did they have to do in order for their demands to be met. Their political demands. In order for those political demands to be met, they had to go to war. I like to think that I'm a pacifist. <sighs> but we both know I'm not. All I'm saying is uh, change in order to bring about change in any aspect of the 
United States system. I do not believe that that change is going to happen without some kind of action against that which is stopping the change. Okay. I'm being very politically correct right now. Why? You aren't normally politically correct. Just spit it out. Oh, no, no. I'm being politically correct. Why? Because. because. I don't want to be inciting insurrection. I don't think that's going to happen. To our thousands of listeners. I don't think you're going to Millions of listeners around the world. All I can tell you is whenever you hear about revolution, it's almost never peaceful. No. I say almost never because there might be some kind of revolution type idea like maybe Bob Marley issued a revolution that was not about war, but those are usually just changing of minds. But actual revolutionaries, those are, that's war talk. I was invited to a group this week educators for change or something like that and I'm going through some of these posts and they're posting all these materials that these educators can read about how to be less racist how to be less biased how to be more inclusive and all I kept thinking as I'm scrolling through is how did these motherfuckers not know this shit before how did they not know that there were books about this and videos and articles and speeches? Where the hell have they been living? And why in the fuck, if you are teaching children of color, don't you know about any of this? What in the hell? I was get I was so mad at some of these things. I had to leave, like, close out the Facebook and walk away for a few hours because. I was just fuming. Like, there's a book about white fragility. There's a whole book about it. And um, this teacher said, oh, this is so profound. I never would have thought of any of this. And I'm thinking, what? Um, Where do you, like. What's the, this you're referring to? It was the, it was the fact that, um, which is what happened in the film. Which film? the one angry black man is that the white people are so from what her her comments were that she never thought about all of the the times when she's been listening to something or seeing something that had to do with a person of color and she's like but I have but it's about me and she flipped it on her head and she said that as she was reading this book she could she was recalling all of the like never ending incidences where she's flipped it around to her and discounted whatever the person of color had been saying and i was like this is what white people do i see it all the time this is the song i have in my head right now Arrested Development's Revolution. <laughs> that's the song that's in my head. It's, just, it's playing over and over and over. And it, it's 
it saddens me that you have teachers who've been teaching for 10, 15, 20 years and teaching in diverse environments, but they've never learned about how to teach, how to interact, how to behave in a diverse environment. Well, it's because of our education system. I thought, coming out of high school, that I wanted to teach high school kids. I went to a very small, rural high school. I thought that that's what I wanted to teach high school kids. So I went to university to study English, history, French, secondary education. I was going to be a high school English teacher. Later years, I decide to uh, start studying early childhood. And part of my early childhood um, classes, I had to go and do observations at a school in the, in, a, in the city where we were living. And I had to be there for eight weeks. After the second week of being in this school where there were no white students in any of the classes I sat in. They had classes where the girls and the boys had to be completely separated from one another. You'd have a class full of girls and a class full of boys. After I sat through eight weeks, two weeks of this, I'm like, I don't know if I'm equipped to do this. And that's where white teachers never, ever, they never get that. They never see that they're not equipped. And then the education system universe, at university level never equips the teachers to work in a diverse environment. If I would have stayed at my original university, I would have gone and done my student teaching at a school with all white students. Very diverse. The only diversity would have been socioeconomic status. It wouldn't have even been in religion. And I would have never known that I was not equipped to teach city kids. Yeah, you'd have been that that woman that went into the kindergarten and walks away from the kindergarten crying. Right. To quit quit teaching. Right. Because of the kindergarten key. Because of five-year-olds. Dangerous mom. I knew after two weeks that I wasn't equipped to teach these high school kids. But I knew after two weeks I could be equipped to teach a diverse classroom of small children. But that is not an experience that teachers or wanting to be teachers get. I'm very confused as to how do we get here. Yeah. Because these teachers are, all these people are white. All these educators for change or whatever the group is called. All of these people who are saying, I never knew about white fragility. I never knew how that... What the fuck is white fragility? Look it up. <laughs> Look it up. There's a book about it. Yeah, but why is um, that even a term? Because it is a t it's a thing. That's why they have the fucking snowflake thing. Um, what the fuck is the snowflake what? thing? I'm a special snowflake. What the, what the hell are you talking yeah. about? I, I honestly I do so not know what you're talking about. What are you okay. talking like about? You no, look up snowflake. The, the term snowflake. 
Um, but all these teachers aren't given the, the education to then to be able to, to teach a diverse classroom. How many white teachers did you have growing up? For the most part. That's why I didn't answer that question. It's like snowflake, a term for someone who thinks they are unique and special but really are not. I know, but isn't that everybody? Isn't, isn't no. that what we've told? No. Game isn't that what we have told club. everyone that they are unique and special? I mean, we have a whole group. Of, I mean, that's like the millennial mindset. That's not whiteness. That's not whiteness. That's just the millennial mindset. Yep. Because we, in schools, we told them that. And everybody was your friend and everybody was going to listen to you and everybody was going to respect what you had to say and your point of view and blah, 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 blah. And then when those motherfuckers get out into the real world, they'll find out that people are going to tell them, shut the fuck up. Nobody wants to hear you. Whether you, it doesn't matter your color and your ethnicity, it's all, it's just, you don't get that kind of uh, access to my brain. You know? I, I think we did that to inside of education and try to make people feel good about who they were as students and all that, you know. But that wasn't that wasn't a white thing. Well, That's yeah. something we did across the board to everybody. Okay. Back to the white fragility. Okay, now back to white fragility. What the fuck is that? Okay, we're gonna have to move into one angry black man. Okay, because just tell me what is white fertility? It's, it's from your where, perspective. It's where um, it's the amount of racial stress or the idea of racism becomes so tolerable and triggering that it it causes the white person to then become defensive instead of saying you're right. So, for example, the one girl in the film... One Angry Black Man. One Angry Black Man. That we watched yesterday, because it's now available everywhere. It was... She all of a sudden accused the, the other character of saying she was a racist. Her behavior, her guilt, her... Her, her inability to cope with being able to talk about race is an example of white fragility. And the other girl talking about, I can't even deal with this, I can't cope. Another example of white fragility. Because they're, they can't talk about racism in a reflective and academic. academic sense. They also can't speak of racism and identify with the things that they are doing that are racist. Because they don't want to see themselves as racist. They don't want to see their behaviors as racist. And the only way you change your racist behavior is to identify them and make a conscious effort to stop. This is white fragility. And this is what the group was but, talking but about. But isn't that, isn't that the same thing as the, uh, what do we call it? The, 
the idea of what is it called that you feel bad about a thing that that you did? What is that? Guilt. Or, yeah, white guilt. Isn't that isn't that basically what we're talking about? Yeah, that kinda. that we're yeah. talking about how how white folks have behaved inside of the United States or around the world, depending on your focus, and then white people of today feeling bad that these things happened and then feeling attacked and then they don't want to talk about it because they feel bad. Isn't that what we're talking about? I mean, that, isn't that the yeah. white fragility that... Yeah. The book is called... White Fragility. White Fragility, Why Is It So Hard for White People to Talk About Racism? And it's by Dr. Robin D'Angelo. Okay, but I mean, I guess... I guess this book is changing how, but, how these educators are are viewing themselves in the classroom and how they interact with their students, which is good. But why is why have you been teaching for twenty years and you've not known this? Known what? Though? How you behave, your biases, how you oh God, view. Most people do not realize that that they're biased. They're, most people do not realize that they're biased. That's why now that with these algorithms that are out there for computers, that's why the, the bias is built into the algorithm because people didn't realize that they were being biased. Like it's just a normal thing, but they're building that bias into those robots that you don't like so much. And so you're gonna end up having um, ideas, a policy recommendation, the algorithms are going to kick out certain things. Like if you, you know, I guess if you went on Netflix and you liked a, a whole bunch of black movies, then all of a sudden all you're going to ever get is black movies. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Because, oh, well. Like if yours you like is this, populated with documentaries, whereas mine's populated with cooking shows. But there's something biased about maybe they're only showing you cooking shows that have white folks in them. They're not showing you cooking shows that have black folks in them, even though those might be existing, or Asian-influenced cooking shows or whatever. Right. They're only showing the one thing because you like this one set or something. The bias right. is built into the algorithm. Yeah. That's not necessarily true for Netflix, but it's, it, no, it's just it's an not. example of, of how that could be played out. So most people do not walk around on a daily basis saying, I'm biased and I need to change. That's the that's what that's what we're always fighting when it comes to bias. Yeah. I guess that you don't realize it. I guess maybe my my education was different and once I got to the <clears throat> early childhood stuff because that was something that was brought to our attention during student teaching. That was one of the things that our mentors or our, our principals were asked to observe and then give us feedback about so that then we could be aware and and make the changes as necessary. I don't understand make the changes. Well, I'm sorry, this example, is not what people do. Okay, they don't, but we were, we were, I, I had a thing, especially in the beginning of my teaching where I preferred to play with, talk to, um, help the little boys more than the little girls. And
And that was something that was brought to my attention. Hey, did you realize that you interact more with the boy students than you do with the girl students? And I didn't realize that. And so I made more concerted effort to make it more equal for myself and for the students. But maybe the other, maybe other educations, they don't do that. That was part of my, my education when I was going for early childhood. Yeah, but, okay. But they don't do that in other teaching levels? Do what? Say, hey, do you know you're doing this? You're saying reflect upon what you've done in the classroom. And, and then have the, then the... change how you do what you do. Yes. To better serve the class in front of you? Yes. Of course I do. Then why Everybody does that. Then why don't they... I mean, that's why they, that's why they, they monitor your class and they go and... and and are paying attention to how you teach. I mean that yes, everybody so does. Is that. this is this reflection on how you interact in a diverse environment not part of that? Like how you treat the black kids versus how you treat the white kids? Yeah, but kids? if you if if you're in a system that is biased. Oh, facts. What is the what 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 other way are they is anyone going to come to you and say like Let's say, let's say your bias is based on eye color. Uh-huh. Okay. The blue and brown. No, no, just period. Eye color. Anybody with blue eyes, you shun. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, if everybody around you, like in China, yep. shuns blue-eyed people, who's going to ever come to you and say, you know, we noticed while you were teaching that you were shunning the blue-eyed people. Right. Nobody. They're never going to point it out. So then your bias is then part of the culture. It's a cultural bias. Yeah. And I think that's what most people run into because they don't have a, a voice to come in and say, well, you know, you're kind of not ever addressing, you're never, you're never calling on the little black boys in your class. You're right. calling on everybody else, but you never call on them. They have their hands raised, they have the answers, but you're never calling on them. Somebody's got to be there to say that, notice it, right. see it, and then tell yeah. you. But if they agree with what you're doing on a, I would say, probably a subconscious level at that point, then they're just going to look at it like black boys don't have the answers, or we don't really want to hear from them. They're sitting maybe middle and... Maybe they're in the back of the class or whatever. It doesn't matter. But everybody's looking over them in the classroom. Even if they're in the front, they're not even looking at them. They're looking at all the other students in the classroom. So then that bias just keeps getting carried through. Yeah. So you're asking, do people notice things and bring it to the attention of the teachers? Yes. But if their biases are the same, they're going to give them feedback that is not going to address it. The group of educators talking well, about how, how do we get there? They didn't I, I don't think I had anything about education here. I I brought this up about bias and the white fragility. Go ahead with your next one. I swear I would I started with protesters, looters, and revolutionaries. You did. 
how we got there. Like, how did we get to We have that, to, to educate the, the children. Just continue oh, on, Aaron. Boy. No, I'm being serious. You'll I want to know the connection because we got into one angry, which is something we need to talk about, but I don't know if right. where the connection is. Just keep going. One angry black man, educator. Let's talk about it. Um, are we spoiling? We need to do a spoiler alert. We always have to do a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. We have the spoiler right here. If you don't want to know about One Angry before you've seen One Angry on all the streaming it's not all the streaming. It's not. It's, it's Amazon. Well, except for it said Amazon. But it's but on your video on demand. It's on demand. Um, and Apple. We, iTunes. Somebody had said yesterday, um, I went to look on Amazon and I couldn't find it. And I had looked on Amazon as well, but I couldn't find it. And I thought it was just because we were outside of the country. It's not. Just go buy it on the iTunes. It's on iTunes. It's on demand. I'm trying to find the list of of uh, you can places rent it. you can you buy rent it. When you're on demand. I'm gonna get the list. Okay, I'll send it to you. I don't, don't don't send it to me. I don't need it. I've seen it. So what did you think about one angry black man? Here we go. Good. Tell the people. Scripted documentary than a than a movie. Why? Well, mainly because they they had the 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 documentary thing of person talking, and then it cut to like a picture of who they were talking about or the book or whatever they were. At, at some about. point, I, I I dared to think of Blackish. Yeah. It kind of had that a feeling bit. a little bit at the... Throughout, and they, it was that thing where we're going to mention Martin Luther King and then now we're showing pictures of Martin Luther King or whatever. Or we're going to talk about Zora and then boom, now we're seeing photos of Zora. And it that's where the documentary feeling... It felt like a Ken Burns yeah. type thing. Yeah, but it's great. Um, what they were saying was great. I get that. What else do you think? I thought it was going to be much longer than it was. You wanted more? Well, I thought they were going to... I didn't... I had no expectations going into this. I didn't listen to any of the podcasts. So... Yeah, I've been hearing about this thing for... for two years. Two years yeah. so, <laughs> I thought they were going to, like... I know all about the movie making. I thought they were going to, like, go places and it was going to... You know, something else it was going to happen... Felt like there wasn't much closure for what happened to Michael and his feelings and that weird sort of isolation thing. I get the being isolated. I understood that and being like frustrated and like alone. I got that. But it ended very abruptly. And it almost felt like he was, you were seeing what was in his head and everybody was reacting to all the sounds in his head, but it wasn't real. I don't know. The, the ending was a little weird to me. Go ahead. 
You had a different reaction. You were reacting to stuff in there that I wasn't. Well, because one of the characters is the mother of a brown child. And... Yeah, she got on my nerves. As a, as the character. The actress. The I really connected with her. Because I have the same fears. Like okay. I said, she got on my nerves. Do I get on nerves? I have heard that thing that all of what she said is, it was one of, the, I mean, it just, it's like, yeah, 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 lady, we get it. You, you, you're trying to, you're trying to understand a culture that you're not from and you're really not inside of yet. Because that's what it felt like. She was still outside of black culture. Well, her while son. Having a, a, her son was not black, though. He was Brazilian. I know, but she, she's in America. She's not yeah. going to have Brazilian culture. No. And she was. She was, so she was outside of the culture, and she was trying to understand the culture by being in this African American lit class. Yeah. And it was just like you know what? You she, take your ass home. You can read at home. There's libraries. You being in this class. Giving your two cents is irrelevant. It's irrelevant to everything that's going on. But that's that's something that I would have felt if I was sitting in that class. But you would have said it to her in that class. No, I wouldn't said shit to her. You don't. This, think so? I've heard it so many times. You want to be angry? Oh yeah, I'd have been angry. Because I'd have been like, man, shut the fuck up. I don't nobody care about you and how you feel. You know, I mean, I guess, I guess this is this is something that happens in lit classes. Yeah. And and maybe sociology type classes. Any 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 of these classes where people are having to I, examine themselves as well as examine the the, the stuff text. that the, the text that they're they're dealing with at the moment, and they you know they put too much into trying to think about, you know, how it makes them feel and all this other mess. And what up. they were trying You're to You're not understanding the guy who wrote it. Right. Or the woman who wrote right. it. You're not understanding their thing. You're trying to identify and feel and, and think, all this stuff. It's like, you know what? It wasn't for you. Yes. When they were talking about Zora and the, the, the mom was talking about how she just thought it was so beautiful. And 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 I've read Zora. Even as a teacher, it gets under my skin. I've read Zora, and but when I read something like that, I'm not trying to put myself in it. I'm not trying to connect in a way that wasn't meant for me as a reader. It's like me, Liz, what reading reading Maya. I love Maya. Yeah, but it's not about love. Reading Maya. And you're getting Maya's ideas about Maya yes. and her life yes. and what she's gone through or her voice through the characters yep. that she has in her thing, if it's fiction. When I'm reading it, I'm not putting myself anywhere in there, but I do see maybe other people in my life that could explain maybe that's why they uh -huh. feel XYZ because... This is what the, the the what they've gone through is similar. 
Yes. And okay, fine. But uh, I'm not ever inserting myself into Maya's story, into her reality. Right. Her reality, she's, she's giving it to me through the text. I'm not diving in and becoming part of that text. No. And I guess it's easier if you're a man right. reading a woman's text, like when I read Zora. Or you read Tony or whatever. Right. Same thing. You're you're always able to have a separation. But when I read Richard Wright, I just didn't do that either. Yeah. When he talks about killing the cat, I don't I'm not I don't have a connection to that. Right. I, I didn't feel that way or whatever. When you read other people and how they felt and the anger and angst and whatever, I've never dove in. I might be able to identify, I might be able to understand, I might know people that fit that, but I, I've never I guess it's this idea of putting yourself into the text. Right. And I don't I don't think that's a really a good way to You wouldn't analyze <laughs> to analyze a text. Right. Right. You wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it with Shakespeare. But see, but, the, but some of those things are so distant. They're so distant for everybody. Like there, there's nothing about that that is culturally relevant. Whereas when you're reading Maya and Tony, these stories are literally of our time. So then all of a sudden, yeah, you kind of could be like, "That's my uncle," or right. "That's my aunt." And yeah. I, you know, you could kind of do yeah. that. But. I don't, I, I don't know. I, whenever I, I've had black or African-American lit classes, they're called, but I've had black literature classes where, you know, white folks were in that class and you couldn't even have, and this is what I said to Hans, it was, it, it's the kind of class I always wanted to have at Tuskegee, never had it, but it's also the kind of class that I really wanted to have at white universities that I went to because you could never be honest in those classes. You're always, and, and Eddie says it in there. Right. He says, you know, if these people were not here, I would have never told you this. Right. I wouldn't have been able to say this. But that's the problem in those classes. Yeah. Black folks usually are doing in black lit classes exactly what they were doing when they were arguing about some guy coming to the campus they're all they're sitting over in the corner I playing tic-tac-toe right it's I was like that's like, exactly what i would do when i was in those classes because they're talking all this bullshit and they're never getting to the to the text and it's just like yeah okay well and just doing other things as i'm watching this i'm waiting I know it's coming. I know they're going to say, hey, what do you guys think? Weren't you pissed off too? And when they said, don't bring us into your shit, this doesn't concern us. It has nothing to do with us. You just want us to co-sign your bullshit. I was waiting for that. That's kind of the liberal thing. Yeah. And And he's right about that. Liberals do that all the time. It's like, you know... We're not part of the conversation, but then all of a sudden you want us to agree with your side. And yeah. that's what, they, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's kind of what liberals have done since, since Democrats have been trying to get more votes by bringing in minorities into the Democratic Party. Um, 
Alright, so what up? What do you guys have any other thoughts about the about the film? I think the reflections about, about the, the, the characters in the film. Not the filming of the film. I'm talking about that The reflections at the end when Kendra made the statement about not being black enough for the black community and not and being too black for the white community and that she didn't think her parents thought about that before having her and how she didn't fit in it made me wonder if our children felt the same like do they think that we didn't make a conscious decision knowing that they would have the same they would be straddling that same line they would be too black for the white side of the family and too white for the black side of the family so no I imagine thought of it but you can't there's no possible way for you to talk to every single person we're going to encounter and make sure that's not going to happen I don't know that we wanted it to not happen I don't know that that was but you weren't going to weren't going to change it. It was just, this is who the child is going to be. We're not going to be able to change their experience. We could have made a choice not to have children. Okay, fine, but... I'm going to have children now. (laughs) Fine, but, you know... Do you relate to Kendra? Yeah. I was always the... The weird kid who was left out. Why? What are you talking about? Who were you left out of? School stuff? What are you talking about? Children in school. Who were you left out of? You didn't answer the question. You no, know, participating in things. Kids playing over there and being able to relate to you and, you know, being included in activities and stuff. When were you excluded? Oh, he when was. When it was children doing it, not when it was the teachers organizing it, because, you know. Together, so. I remember there was a time you were in second grade. Like on the playground and stuff. And you were, you came out um, at the end of the day and you were pissed because some boys in your class kept calling you white. And you kept telling them that your dad was black, which means you're black. And the boys were like, no, your mom's white. We know your mom, you're white. And you were furious that they were they were doubting that your dad was black. And it wasn't until daddy was in your classroom substituting, and you're like, this is my dad, that the kids then actually started to treat you differently. But you were pissed. And some of, because they wouldn't believe that you were black. Is that, did that happen all the time or just that one little, situation so I wasn't you know we weren't really poor in the ghetto or we yeah, were we were. we were he just you know, didn't know it yes we were yes we is it was it, it was different we were in a different place we so, were 
We were around different people. It was a different thing. I don't know. It wasn't. I don't know. It. You lived in the hood. Uh huh. Okay, then I was made to think that I was. I had no money. We had no money. Then I was made to think that we weren't. No. Yes. No, 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 no. You weren't made to think anything. What you're describing is what I've always said. Poor people with a middle class mindset. Yep. We did what we did because we thought a certain way. We didn't think like poor people think. So then we didn't do what poor people do. Now, we didn't have the means to do all the things that we necessarily wanted to do, but when we did something, it wasn't the choice, the set of choices were different. Like, we have uh, a couple days that we can go do something. What do you want to do? Well, we could do this that everybody around us is doing, or we could go and do this other thing. Uh Do we have enough money to go do that thing? Sure, we could go do it. Is it gonna, are we gonna be able to still pay the rent? Yeah, we can still pay the rent. Okay, let's go do that thing. But that choice was not on the table for everybody around us. They never thought to do that thing. Like go to the beach in Grand Haven or something. Right, or let your your kids take piano classes. Most, some of the things that you did, piano classes and martial arts and ballet and all these things that you did, they're really expensive, but I knew that there were ways for you to get these things that were for free or for practically nothing. And so I found the resources. Right, we took advantage of the resources. You went to the the community center to take these classes. Like ballet. Well, that was the Grand Rapids Ballet offers free classes for boys. Exactly. So you went there for free. Our martial arts teacher we became friends with her and we ended up doing a bartering system. So that's how we paid for your classes. I would keep the boys or she would use the, the Netflix or something that we could do where we didn't actually have to exchange money, but you were still getting the lessons. And that's... But that's making a choice based on having limited re- funds right. and resources. We were poor. Oh yeah. Hell, we make less money Art. now than Art. we did then. Art. It's a current... It's a- it's current. It's <laughs> happening right now. All right, so. But you also lived in a household with both parents. Okay, how did we get to this from one angry? Because I'm asking if he identified with going. Kendra. Huh? I he asked if he identified with Kendra. Yeah. Because okay. Kendra's statement made me wonder if that's how our children felt. Okay, but. Sorry, but I don't see, uh, at least the character in the film, there was no reason to ever think of her or treat her as anything but black. Right. She didn't look biracial. It didn't matter. There was nothing that maybe, said biracial. And maybe that's a casting thing, but it never, it never occurred that, like, Eddie, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But with her, it never did, and it was just like... You, it sounded like it, it seemed more like you have an internal struggle that basically nobody else is struggling with when it comes to her because right. she only looks one way. She yep. only looks like one thing. I, I, I didn't. I didn't than, buy her other struggle. than that. Then. <laughs> um, like what she said, yes. Right. But the way she looked, I don't have. 
it looked to me like she was just, sorry people, she was just Negro. 100% Negro. That's what she looked like to me. Alright, um. It was funny because you said after watching that, it was just like watching Menelik rant to himself around okay. the table. Yes. <laughs> so Menelik as the, the writer and director of this film, Menelik Lamuba, this, they, I've been hearing their podcast, Back to the Theater podcast, I've been hearing that podcast for what, three years now? No, no, no. I've been hearing him talk about the film for two years. Oh, okay. But yeah, we've been listening itself, to it for yeah. longer than that. Yeah, like 27. We started 20. listening to them back in China when we... Yeah. They inspired us to do this podcast. And it's... 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 Interesting knowing some of the backstory of maybe some of the choices that they made and things. Because I thought it was interesting in the shooting of the film thinking of Mr. Hans Charles and how there were shots that would have been transitioned into something else that never the transition never came like, did you, you notice that across someone's head and yeah yeah walk. and their yeah, head is still blocking the person it to be a hidden cut yep. there and it just kept going it's like oh yeah interesting it, it felt it felt in a lot of ways like you were a person walking around the table and then walking around the table almost the whole time they're having class. And you are just, You're just taking observer. in and observing their conversation. And when someone would start talking, you may or may not choose to look at them. Like, look directly at them. They're they're in your field of view, but you don't necessarily have to turn all the way and put them in the middle. And I noticed that a lot, where you're just kind of moving around. You're around the table. Somebody over here starts talking, and the camera kind of went around and then kind of put them in the field of view without ever getting all the way. So you still saw everybody, their reactions to what that person was saying, as well as the person, and it was kind of that weird thing, but the, the fact that the camera was, was low yeah. puts you at, it was almost like you're a little kid walking around yeah. because they're all sitting. So you're like kind of like moving around, hearing the whole thing, but when you got behind somebody, you were actually behind them and there was no seeing what that other person on the opposite side was saying. But you could hear them the whole time. It was kind of interesting. It wasn't super cutty. Cause right. In a, in, a nor, in a normal movie, you have... What, this is an abnormal movie? For me. Abnormal. Yes. It was different than any other movie that. I've seen. Um, you know, mommy starts talking and it cuts to her and you start talking and then it cuts back mm -hmm. to you and it keeps doing that back and forth. Or then it cuts to a wide shot where both of you are talking, and right. it's very choppy like that. And this, it just, it like you said, it felt like you were in the room. Did it? You said something about the length, how long it felt. Did it feel shorter because you were just having this conversation that was just running with a couple breaks, which would be in a classroom, right? But because of the way everything was moving, 
it never felt like it didn't feel long. Even though the, the conversation was, I would say, probably very dense for a lot of people. And like, Oh, yes. Yeah. A lit class, a black lit class. And Listen, the, I all just... of the stuff that they, that they were bringing up about the literature that they had been reading. I'm sorry, but that's a class that I would say what most people in America have never seen before. I live with you. Well, so I, for me, that was yeah. a normal everyday conversation. Yeah. They don't, they don't, but I would, and I said this to my aunt, most people do not have that experience. Yeah. To, yeah. One, yeah. being a black lit class. Two, being a black lit, black lit class at a white school. Right. And then to have the freedom to say exactly how they thought and felt, not only about the the subject matter, but about their themselves. That is not a thing that happens very often. No. Usually people are just in their corners the whole time. They're not expressing themselves and then they're 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 talking they're the teacher is doing most of the talking, trying to get students to react to something and somebody might say something and people go uh, and then they move on right. to some other aspect of the text. It's not diving into interpersonal relationships and you know the the ideas of the individuals and how they think and feel and really getting into the nitty gritty of how this thing made them feel, I, which I don't necessarily buy all that much because honestly it's not a it's not a psych class. You know, I don't really care about all of your feelings as a student, but that's a whole other thing. Um, but I, it never, it never really felt long. No, and it's like it kind of felt like they wanted long, to keep it. I wanted more. I wanted more of the conversation about literature. Like when she, because when she gets to a point and she says, uh, "We'll have to move Langston." No, not Langston. It was a Langston news. No, it was Ellison, I think. No, it wasn't Langston Hughes. It wasn't Hughes. I promise you. You might need to look it up. Yep. But anyway, they had to move him to the next class. And I'm thinking to myself, why? Let's keep this going. Right. You That's know? what I thought too. But I live with you. So, I'm thinking. This could be a because you know honestly this was this was the thing that they did later on after I think the first couple seasons of a different world where we got to go into the classroom and hear the stuff that they were arguing and talking about in class and then see them go into their real life outside yeah, of class yeah. still reacting to yep. what they had done because that's college that's university that would have been that would be really interesting to have one angry as a series yeah i i sort of expected them to leave the classroom 
Well, see, that's just like, it. Go home or, you know, go somewhere. Go back to the coffee shop and have further conversation. I didn't have have that expectation because I knew knew the backstory of that. And I knew the 12 Angry Men thing. And so I knew that that wasn't wasn't going to happen. So I, I, um, if you, if you get into the 12 Angry Men and watch that film, you will see exactly what you saw, essentially, in One Angry, where you have this ensemble cast sitting in one space, and the conversation is bouncing like a ping pong ball back and forth between all these different people about a thing. You should watch 12 Angry Men. Uh, and you should watch 12 Angry Men if you haven't watched it or read it. Um, because 12 Angry Men... Uh, that idea of the debate between the characters and you learning about the character through the debate that they're having about something. I won't tell you what that something is in 12 Angry Men, but you should watch it because it's very similar to what we see in One Angry. They're just using the texts. I don't have a list of the the only authors I can find are Baldwin, Zora, and August Wilson. But I don't remember the last one that they were they had to move. I thought it was Langston. No, it was not. Because I would have been pissed if they stopped there. Y'all go and find out. Who was it? You don't have to ask. You watch the film. We own it. It's not like we're not going to watch it We bought it. it. We got it. You can watch it anytime you want. All that money. Better watch that movie over and over again. Hell yeah, get your money's worth. Hey man, big money man. We were one of the. Hey, they. <laughs> we backed it. Yep. We wanted to see it. We wanted it to get on, made. On the Indiegogo. We backed it. And. You didn't back it. We continue we to promote it. Free promotion. From the traveling fars and all its ancillary parts, right? Right? Okay, you haven't back to, you haven't you haven't told your friends about it to see one angry? Yeah, friends, because I have those. <laughs> you got the Facebooks, you got the Instagrams, you have followers. Well, maybe you should try. All right. Anything else about one angry we need to talk about? I still think it should be a series. Hundred percent. Oh, yeah, it that'd be, be awesome. A series. I don't. I. I think it's kind of what, what could be. In Dear White People, uh, it could be much better than Grownish. In actually dealing with literature, I like the idea of the dealing with literature, because if you just did a semester of those kids sitting there having these conversations and maybe then taking them, like you said, outside of the classroom and still dealing with, like you do at university, the ideas and your actual life, that would be really fun to watch. But I I don't know if there's an appetite out there for the density of the ideas and 
the way they were, their way their conversations went, because basically I would, I would think a lot of people are going to have a hard time dealing with academic analysis of texts, because most people don't do that. Even college people don't do that very well. They, they tend to shy away from, there's a group of people that shy away from lit classes. Right. You know, because they're they're forced to have to do that, and they're like, you know, no, I, I can't. And I, I think one or two of the guys in that class were sort of like that. Like, yep. they were really quiet most of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because they it's, it's just, difficult. It's I, difficult for a lot of people. I wondered why they were even there. Well, they were they were representative of people just like them. That and and one of them says it in the in his reflection. You know, I wish I kind of knew more, and I wish I kind of understood more, because they get more out of this than I do. But I, yeah, he's benefiting from their back and forth, their they conversation. Get, they get more out of it faster than I yep, do. And exactly. It takes me twice the time, mm -hmm. and then I'm confused. But everything seems so obvious. Like, oh my God, that's exactly right. right. Well, I mean, that's lit, that's being in a lit class. You know, and inside of lit classes, you have to have that diversity. Of thought. All right. Um. What else we got? You got anything else? I got more. Go for it. I definitely have more. All right. Next. Epstein. Let's talk about that. Netflix brought out their thing about uh, Mr. Mr. Epstein. What do y'all think about this? Killed himself? Well, he's not just a guy who killed himself. He didn't kill. He did. Well, he did. Okay. Didn't he kill himself? Okay. He's not just a guy who yeah, killed I himself. Know, but who was this guy? He's dead. We don't know how it happened. He's dead. There's speculation around There's death. always speculation. Um, I don't care how he died. Long yeah, death hurt. I, I wouldn't tell you to watch it. You are not going to get me to watch that. Well, honestly, you probably could because, like I said, they did not. They didn't, they didn't go into the really depravity. Go, they didn't go into very many details about what he and anyone who was with him did. They they just basically kind of did what you just did. They just said he had to, he was depraved, and then they would just kind of move on. So it really. It's not as gra it's not as graphic as the Michael Jackson thing. It's not as graphic as the R. Kelly thing, mm -hmm. which is kind of worrisome to me because you know the black, over it. that black folks are are the worst. They seem the worst, and uh, the white guy, They're the rich white guy, seems that you know is friends with Bill Clinton. He seems like he's not and as Trump bad as and he was. Prince Andrew and exactly. and and well, they're, they're, that's the problem, and so. You know, he comes out not because they didn't get graphic. He doesn't sound as bad as all the other ones, but he's still a pedophile. I mean, he, and he, an these, some of these sex girls, trafficker. some of these girls were twelve, thirteen oh years old. Yeah, they were young. They weren't. They weren't adults. And the ones that were and see, I had the same problem with this that I had with the R. Kelly thing. R. Kelly had the, the young girls as well, but then he had the adult women 
And then you got to ask yourself, like, why are you still there? Right. Because they weren't, you know, they may have met them when they were young, but they're they're now adults. They can make certain decisions, but they're just they, now it's the battered woman syndrome, and now they're staying and yeah, blah blah blah. blah. So. Um, I, I, what I wrote down for Epstein was uh, evidence is not enough in the United States because they had the evidence back in Palm Beach. Yeah. Their police department. They had the evidence. And that guy and now is in the, the... He's in the Trump... Administration. Administration. Costa. Yeah. The Alex Acosta? I think so. He's and the, he's... You know, I mean, the idea of... Money getting you off, even though there's all this evidence against you, and that—that that, I think that's America's one of America's biggest problems, is the idea that if you just have money and connections, everything goes away. You get to do whatever it is. I mean, they were talking about after he went to jail for prostitution instead of instead of pedophilia. Um. After he goes to jail and he comes back out and he's under house arrest, he still was traveling. He was still going anywhere he wanted to go without informing anybody, which if he informed him, it wouldn't have mattered because he still wasn't allowed to go. And he was traveling all over the world still. Oh my God. And and when they told, when, when the investigator told the people that were supposed to be monitoring him, do you know where he is? And they say, yeah, he's at home. And they're like, no, he's in New York. And they still didn't do anything. So I, it, there's a problem in the United States. And I think Weinstein falls into this. And everybody, that if, they're, if they got money, means, connections, no justice. I think that's the takeaway from all of those stories. Whether it's the R. Kelly, the Michael Jackson, the Epstein, the Weinstein, it's just money means no justice. You can do whatever. Clint, it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter the name. It's just money, influence, you can do whatever. Which probably needs to change before people start fighting against that. Yeah. This is the backlash against the 1% I was talking about earlier. Um, and then I wrote down to go with this. Weinstein, Jackson, R. Kelly, Epstein did not destroy women and girls alone. No. It's a point that they make yeah. in the end of the Epstein thing. And the, I've been talking about this. That, Didn't you say that in R. Kelly? Yeah. They, none of them... None of them worked alone. They didn't go out and find these girls. They didn't go out and it wasn't just, it wasn't the idea of you're a predator and you went out and got these people. Right. This is not what happened. They didn't do this. It was somebody else was working for them and they went out and got these people. They went out to the malls and found the girls or they went to the, the, uh, the high school or the middle school and found the girls and brought them over or the girls at the concert or the girls at the whatever. The thing about Jackson is the 
wasn't necessary. It wasn't girls. That's the problem with the Michael Jackson thing. But the the idea of you know there the, these all these guys had staff companies money large houses means and they could send someone. I mean, this dude, Epstein, had a Ponzi scheme for pedophilia. Where he was paying one girl to go get girls. And then when that girl got girls, then he would pay those other girls to, to get more. more girls. And so then there was this whole spider web of people who were brought and then paid. And then, and, oh God, it's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. But I, I think it's it's kind of interesting that all four of these stories are all from a certain time. 80s. They're all from a certain time. The 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. All of them. So you got to ask yourself, where's your boy at? Which one? Woody Allen. See, because now we're diving back into the 70s and the 60s and what was going on back then. I think that Isn't these that stories starting in the, I think the 70s, 80s, yeah. yeah. They, I think, but see, those were grown women. Right. See, that's, just, that's why I can't, I can't put the Bill Cosby thing into this. Because, because these were adult feel, women yeah. and they were... There was a substance involved to control their behavior. Right. Or at least to numb them to whatever was happening to them. And so they were victims of a different kind of thing. Whereas the thing that unites all of these guys is the idea of power, money, access, but then control. To the point where they couldn't say anything. They all say this in all of these things where they felt that they couldn't say or do anything to essentially save themselves from what was happening to them. They had to, like Epstein takes women out to a, a, an island that he owns. Well, how do you say no to this guy? You may never get home. Yep. And it's an island. They Don't you think there's the a same, right, there's a certain kind of fear there. You know, you can just drop your ass in the in the ocean, in the ocean. and off you go. Yeah, I mean it's the same. It, it all of them have a similar set of stories where there's fear based on where they are. Some of them were locked in, you know, like prison. You know, some of them were looking at careers, especially under Weinstein. They're looking at whole careers being destroyed yep. because of this one guy. Weinstein and Epstein are friends. You see? You know, the powerful people that, that are connected to these people, like the Prince. Prince Andrew. And that that whole thing, what does that even mean? You know, what what can you do? If you've been... Because they, they talk about the trafficking part. What if you're being sent to service this guy in England? From Epstein. Mm -hmm. 
You see? You're being trafficked! Yep. Oh god! Now what do you do? You know? Do you not do whatever it is that... What do you... What happens when the woman tells you you've got to do whatever you did with Epstein, you got to do it with this guy? What do you do? And you're 12. Or it doesn't matter what you are at that point. It doesn't matter if you're 12, 18, 22. What are you supposed to do? You are there. Right. I mean... And for all these people saying, I wouldn't have got on the plane. Yes, you would have. I don't know. It's 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 a. It seems like a symptom of something else because all of them come off as narcissistic. All of them. It's one of the terms that they use for every one of these things. And what is it about our culture that is breeding this mindset in people? So that then they can carry out these things. Something to think about. All right. I only have one more thing. Okay. 157 episodes so far. Did you realize that? 157 episodes. This is 158. This is 158. Well, no, 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 no. Well, yes, because are you counting episodes? I'm counting episodes not on YouTube. Yeah. Only episodes on the Blueberry. And I because this is this on the Blueberry. This is one long episode. Let's see on in YouTube. This can be broken up into four or five right clips. So on Blueberry, on iTunes, on the podcast. Episodes. This is 158. So my question is, why aren't y'all telling people about us, man? We need more people. So, my suggestion to you. Get a friend. Because maybe they don't have a friend. Like you don't have Get a friend. You have a friend. And then... Tell them about the podcast. Tell them to listen to the podcast, man. Y'all have something to talk about now. Because I know you don't have anything to talk about because you just got the friend. <laughs> you got anything else for the people? <coughs> I don't. You got nothing? You got anything else for the people? No. Really? Nothing? I, I got the paper right here. I don't have something. You certainly do. <laughs> I got a paper. Are we can do a short game check. No, we don't need to. Go check out the game chat on the YouTube. If you Want to find the following the traveling cars? You can find us on the YouTube, Facebook, Pinterest, iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere, anywhere the good podcasts are sold <coughs> at the traveling fars. FYI, podcasts are free. If you want to see us on the Instagram or the Twitters, 
We are Traveling Fars. If you like the email, travelingfars at gmail.com and the blog space where this podcast goes. The travelingfars.blueberry.net note is in there. <coughs> and don't forget to check out nope, Patreon. Blueberry. And then you can look down there at the... Say it. The Patreon. The Patreon down there. Patreon.com slash the traveling fars. Yeah, man. Send us money. Send it. Give us give, your money. Give us all the money. All the money. I love all the, all the money. Give us all the monies that you have. And we'll Cause, make. Cause we're moving. And we'll keep making stuff. We're moving and we need the and, money. And we'll, we're moving and we're going to have to get more stuff. And we'll shout you out if you give us money. We'll put you in here. I will, I will start putting up credits. She, she will maybe we'll do a maybe we'll stream. do a scroll and we'll just have the names going up. Through I, will, I will throw the business. She'll in throw the your business in the street. Karen, Karen is very good at like people's business in the street. And I'll spoil anything you got going on. And every movie, yeah, and that you haven't seen right. yet. Right, then, then the spoiler will spoil yeah. it for you. All right, that's it. That's it. That's it. You got that. 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 Say goodbye to the people. Bye, people. Peace.